Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. There are increasing concerns tonight about how terrorists are attempting to enter the U.S. through the southern border. A network facilitating that action was recently uncovered. Biden administration officials say they're working with other nations to try to address this issue. But all of this comes amid increasing domestic fallout from the border crisis. White House correspondent Peter Ducey has details tonight live from the North Long. Good evening, Peter. Brett, this ISIS sympathizer is basically copying the cartels who have successfully smuggled people into this country for years. And now people that work here at the White House are trying to reassure the American public that problems at the border do not necessarily mean an open door for terror. Intelligence alerted us of this human. One more time, Jimmy. Yeah. Hi, I'm Jimmy Fallon. I'm Stephen Colbert. I'm Jimmy Kimmel. I thought when you said Jimmy, you meant me, Jimmy, but you meant Jimmy, Jimmy. I always mean you. But when you I say always Seth, be- Seth Myers, who do you mean? I mean John Oliver. It's the five of us together for uh, maybe an hour a, a day. Strike Force Five is the name of our podcast. Subscribe to it now. Spotify or wherever else you get your podcast. And welcome back to Flower Politic Podcast. It is the third of September, year of our Lord, twenty twenty-three. Nice little intro there. You uh, know we found all sorts of terrorists across that border. They're not doing anything about it. And the dorks. I meant to play the dorks last podcast, but somehow I forgot to play it. But. I tweeted to that, and I really, this is a real question. Why can't they do their shows? They're repeating the same shit since 2016. It's all just Trump sucks, Trump, Trump, Trump suck, Trump suck, Trump suck. Why do you need writers? I don't don't know. Especially when you have a president like this. So here's, here's two Bidens. We haven't done the commander-in-chief bump in a while. Let's do it. Thank you, Secretary Buttigieg. Somebody help that man. <laughs> Office predicted that it would not get below 4% until the end of 2025. Now, unemployment and the unemployment rate has been below 14% for the last 19 months, the longest stretch in over 50 years. 
We've recovered all the jobs lost during the pandemic. We've added a million more new jobs. More than seven. How the name of Zeus's ass crack, don't you dog that? Secretary Booty Juice. I mean, it's, it's fitting, I guess. I mean, he's gay. I, 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 why? Why is stuff like that just let to go? Why don't we ever hear about it? And then you have Nancy Pelosi. You know, election's coming. It's time to say that 50% of the country is horrible. It's interesting to see how there is a certain element of the population who will just go for him. There are people we would probably never get. They don't share our values in terms of respect for the dignity and worth of every person and the rest. Tell me a, a conservative could get away from that shit. Just get away with any of it. Now they're ramping up impeachment inquiry. I heard this all fucking week. I don't think it's even serious, but you know the media media is not going to cover jobs. Terrible numbers in August, and it gets worse with increasing suspicious revisions. They went back, and and man, it's never been as good as they say. Every fucking month going back this year, they revise because they're lying about the numbers. They're inflating them to make them look good. And James Woods asked, because anybody with an IQ above a potato actually concur with any of this bullshit about immigration? Eric Adams, the New York mayor, is saying about these migrants uh, in New York City, any plan that does not include stopping the flow at the border is a failed plan. So why aren't you guys stopping the flow at the border? We are stopping the flow at the border. If anything, the, what the president has been able to do on his own without the help of Republicans in Congress, something that he had to do on his own again because Republicans refuse uh, to give the funding necessary to deal with a situation, uh, immig- a broken immigration system that has been broken for decades. They choose, what they choose to do is play politics, but the, pers- the president has put a plan that is indeed, uh, the data showing is that it is indeed uh, um, stopping, slowing down the flow uh, of unlawful migration. And that is because of the work that this president continues to do without, without the help of Republicans. The president has done more to secure the border and to deal with this issue of immigration than anybody else. He really has. Um, students in temporary housing, they do not need to show proof of vaccination in order to enter school. However, we are working with our partners in health and hospitals. They've been amazing um, with the DSS, um, with, with the Department of Health um, to get the students vaccinated. Students in temporary housing, if, or, if it's always been in place for students, they don't have to show proof of vaccination upon entering. It's starting to get quite obvious that the very same people who asked for all this and they want it, they wanted open borders, they lie at the podium. You got LA, city council voted 
to make LA a sanctuary city prohibiting city resources being used for any federal immigration enforcement. The council recognized this city's rich immigration history and now they want to charge Texas for sending people there. In Chicago, they did this. Lots of fireworks over the migrants moving into the Lakeshore Hotel for six months, where 300 can be housed. Also, the city says it's a fluid situation, and it will need to revisit that timeline. Huh. So we want open borders and immigration so we can get them all to vote for us, but just don't live in our town. Okay. Yeah, that, that, that totally sounds like a liberal concept. Going to get into justice for a bit. I want to start with this. Pro, pro-life activists found guilty of violating FACE Act. This is... I'll play it in a second because it just goes together really well with what just happened to some Proud Boys. Now, what they did was wrong, but... There's something deeply un-American and disturbing about a man pleading for mercy from a judge over objectively minor but political offense and seeing the judge destroy his life with the harshest possible sentence and political activists cheer and mock the man's suffering. Understand, I, I am not for violence. I think this was all very wrong, but this was okay. This was okay. This was an Antifa guy shooting down a Trump supporter who shook a fence. And now we're just going after pro-lifers because they're pro-life. woman who made headlines last spring for storing fetal remains in her Capitol Hill house is set to stand trial today. Not for those remains, though, but for blockading a D.C. abortion clinic. WUSA 9 investigative reporter Nathan Baca has been tracking Lauren Handy's indictment for more than a year and reports from the federal courthouse this morning. This is Lauren Handy. WUSA 9 cameras captured her sitting curbside in front of her Capitol Hill apartment in March of 2022. D.C. police had just raided her home saying they found more than a dozen human fetuses in containers. But Handy is not facing trial for that. She's facing federal felony charges for this. Abortion is the most painful type of murder. In October 2020, Handy and nine other co-defendants walked into Washington's surgery clinic on F Street Northwest. An indictment says they used chains and ropes to block the entrance. Handy and fellow members of Progressive Anti-Abortion Uprising claim the clinic, which offers abortion services, quote, killed babies after they were born. The clinic denied these allegations and was never criminally charged. Handy and the others accused face more than 10 years in federal prison if found guilty of the clinic blockade. We know images get right to the heart and the victims need their story needs to be told. This is Handy talking with WSA 9 last year. Those images Handy is speaking about is video her group took after claiming it intercepted fetal remains from a medical waste truck outside that same F Street clinic. 
The medical waste company denied ever handling any fetal remains, and police never mentioned the source. Handy and the other defendants hope to show the video and other images at their trial. Part of their defense is all their actions were to defend the lives of the unborn. Monday, a federal judge denied their request on two major grounds. First, because the federal charges Handy faces are from 2020, and her fetal remains video was shot nearly two years later. Second, the judge wrote, a defendant may not don a vigilante's hood to insert themselves into a situation of their own making and subsequently claim defense of a third person to justify their actions. Jury selection begins this morning. The court expects this trial to last at least two weeks. Reporting from the U.S. District Court. It's just a sea of hate. Here's an article from Politico. George Soros is the largest donor to the Dem Party in 2020. Joe's son and successor Alex says he's shifting priorities from Europe to ensure that mega-style Republicans who are skeptical of NATO and seek to end the Ukrainian proxy war do not become power, and they're throwing money everywhere. Soros-funded group pressures big tech to silence so-called election disinformation. This is just insane. The cop that was there for the Vegas shooting that we don't know why or where the guy or anything about him. He was in Maui. He still has a job, of course. A tree fell on the Capitol building in Florida. Lefties got religion. Here are just some of them. Do you guys think seven 100-year-old oak tree fell on his own mansion during climate change, fuel, hurricane, while his family is inside? Will finally make Ron DeSantis realize that climate change is investment risk or no? When Pharaoh saw that the rain and hail and thunder had stopped, he sinned again, and he and his official hardened their hearts. Exodus, that's the bottom of the slide. They, they're quoting the f- Bible. This is one of those things where you read it in a fantasy novel. You're like, wow, this is fascist dictators ignoring the warnings of his God. Incredible hubris, but since it's the real world, just increasing consequences of accelerating climate change. This is a sign from Mother Nature. God knows exactly what he was doing. This is what the God... So, I'm going to scrub the pro-life one, but this week, we're starting to change again. When I was a child, I don't know I'm talking like this. Oh, I know I'm talking like this, because Louis Farrakhan gets to air his hate every week on NPR. That's interesting. Really interesting. But, when I was a child... We called it global cooling. Then it became global warming. Then it became climate change. Well, now we're starting, once again, a new doggone name. And that new name is Climate Crisis. Given all of that, (laughs) you would think that the people who represent that uniquely precarious slice of land jutting out into the ocean in the path of increasingly severe storms would be fervently trying to mitigate the risk, reduce the enormous amounts of energy we are pumping into the atmosphere. 
But the reality is literally the opposite. Florida's Republican leaders are actually trying to make it worse actively. Governor Ron DeSantis is refusing to accept $350 million in energy efficiency incentives that Florida is eligible for under the Inflation Reduction Act. He's just saying, burn it, no thanks, to hundreds of millions of dollars. And this is not like for some weird experimental like liberal cause. It would just help people retrofit their homes with energy efficient appliances, which is a very simple, straightforward way to help tackle carbon emissions and climate change. The rejection is just insane nihilism. On one level, it's hard to even believe it, that he's doing this. But of course, you know, Ron DeSantis also turned against the code vaccines, which is an equally obvious benefit for his constituents. My God, it is so rare in life and in policy that you just are handed something so simple that provides so much benefit, like the vaccines. And Ron DeSantis just turned on it for political expedience. I mean, his position on climate change is essentially vaccine denialism at civilizational scale. To Ron DeSantis, this existential threat to the peninsula. Something President Biden said today when he was speaking on this in Maui, he said, quote, I don't think anybody can deny the impact of the climate crisis now, but some Republicans who were running for his job are doing just that. I mean, how do you deal with a crisis if lawmakers and the White House can't even find consensus on it? Well, look, not every disaster, right, is necessarily because of the climate crisis. But I can tell you the hurricanes that are affecting Florida are. This went from a tropical storm to a Category 4 storm in 24 hours. It's called rapid intensification. It's the same thing that happened in Hurricane Michael. That's supposed to be the exception. It's now becoming the rule. And so, listen, we've got to be honest, which is, is that climate change is going to not only affect us globally, but it is going to make these natural disasters much stronger than we're used to seeing in the past. I mean, it wasn't just that that they looked around at that question. Vivek Ramaswamy said that, I believe his quote was, the climate change agenda is a hoax. Yeah, yeah, no, he, he did say that, right? Why not just blame the deep state or say it was woke? I mean, it, 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 was, it, it was a weak example of, you know, what it's like to be a troll running, running for Congress and, try, and running for the presidency and trying to tell people what they think they want to hear because, oh, I'm going to get to the right of everybody, right? I'm going to get to the right of everybody. I'm going to say climate change is a hoax. I mean, what, what, a, what a joke. That's not leadership. That's placating to the lowest common denominator, right? In the state of Florida during the Rick Scott administration, they didn't even say the word climate change. They would come hearing after hearing after hearing, and they wouldn't even say the word climate change, right? It's totally ridiculous, especially here uh, in, in the state of Florida. And so, look, we got to obviously work on a bipartisan level to address this. Climate change is not just going to affect Democrats. It's not just going to affect the libs, right? This is something- You also stress there's still time to act. It's just a matter of how bad we're willing to let it get. If frequent death and destruction isn't doing it so far, Michael, what's it going to take? Well, you know, this is a question we're all asking, right? Um, and as Ali mentioned, you know, one of our two major parties uh, appears to be in denial that the problem even exists. And, and I'll tell you, they are going to find themselves increasingly out of step with younger voters, including young Republicans, uh, who overwhelmingly rank climate crisis. Uh, the climate crisis is, is one of the key issues because they know that they are going to inherit the legacy of the decisions we make today, uh, whether or not we 
you know, uh, address this uh, growing threat. And so any party that continues to deny what is now plainly evident to anybody who's watching uh, the television news, reading their headlines, scrolling through their social media, any party that continues to deny the obvious is going to lose a larger and larger portion of the public. And that may ultimately be the only thing that changes this dynamic. Uh, people showing up at the voting booth and voting on climate and voting out uh, those scientists, uh, those um, you know, politicians so beholden to the fossil fuel industry that they are acting on behalf of those special interests rather than the people they're supposed to represent, voting them out and voting in climate champions and climate advocates. Um, so in the end, it comes down to the individual, uh, individuals turning out and voting on climate. That's the only way we will see the sorts of policy changes that are necessary to. Uh, Biden also issuing a warning to the Republican Party about uh, funding. Yeah, he did, Boris. President Biden said that the uh, federal government will be there for the long haul to help in these recovery efforts, not just with Hurricane Idalia, but also those wildfires in Maui. But he said that in order for FEMA to be able to do its job, to be able to carry out these recovery efforts, they need Congress to pass additional funding. Now, the White House has requested about $12 billion in funding for disaster relief from Congress. And FEMA Director Deanne Criswell just earlier this week said that they currently only have three $3.4 billion uh, in their coffers, in their disaster relief fund. She expects that that uh, will run a deficit at some point in mid-September, uh, really highlighting some of the issues that FEMA will be facing as they're facing strains, not just of this hurricane, not just of the wildfire, but also preparing for future disasters. And President Biden said that he is ready to call out Republicans if they don't get on board with this disaster relief funding. Now, the White House had made this request a bit earlier in August and had also also tied it to additional funding for Ukraine, something that Republican lawmakers uh, have expressed some opposition to. Uh, so this is setting up one of the looming spending fights that will proceed as Congress is set to return in September. Now, I also want to note President Biden announced that they are devoting $95 billion from the bipartisan infrastructure law to try to help uh, harden Hawaii's uh, electric grid in the wake of that wildfire. Of course, these are two uh, natural disasters and crises that FEMA is dealing with in this moment. And of course, there's still more more to come in hurricane season uh, as FEMA is prepared. And there it is. Climate crisis. Change number 10,740 fucking two. And I just love that uh, DeSantis is making it worse. We can't mitigate. There were hurricanes for man had fuel, dumbasses. There's been hurricanes as long as this goddamn planet's been around. It's part of the planet. Hurricanes the fuck is wrong with you people? I mean, seriously. It's fucking embarrassing sometimes. It's just really embarrassing. Sorry, I got through my meds. You guys push this stuff like the cult you are. If it isn't this, then it's fucking trans shit. I mean, climate is so out of control right now. It, it's 
everything's climate change. And then, of course, if they're not doing that this week, because 2024, and we got to do our job, PBS brings Dyson on, who is a full-fledged racist. MSDNC Ken accuses Trump defense team of reality distortion. Capehart says DeSantis wants to kill fucking black people. And I was going to do a break and then go to the next one, but I'm just going to let you finish on MSDNC literally saying... Biden is so decent. How could you not vote for him? He's just so decent. He's been on vacation the whole time. He doesn't do anything. How could you not like him? As for when the date falls on the political calendar, the judge said, quote, setting a trial date does not depend and should not depend on a defendant's personal and professional obligations. Mr. Trump, like any defendant, will have to make the trial date work regardless of his schedule, end quote. Judge Chutkin did note there's a strong public interest in the case being resolved sooner rather than later, and that the quicker it goes to trial, the more it reduces, quote, a defendant's opportunity to commit crimes while on pretrial release. Trump was not president at yesterday's hearing, but he was quick to respond, as you can imagine, on social media. In one post, he wrote, quote, Trump-hating judge blasting her for scheduling the trial one day before Super Tuesday. He also claimed he would appeal Judge Chutkin's decision, something he does not have the power to do. So, Ken, you were at the hearing yesterday. What was the tenor? Just reading through it, it certainly looked like there was a lot of back and forth between Judge Chutkin admonishing Lauro at several uh, moments in the hearing. What was it like in there? So, Willie, full disclosure, I was actually standing outside doing live shots for MSNBC, but I was reading word for word as our colleagues inside were typing what she was saying into the the Google Doc that I was looking at, and I was really wishing that we could all watch it on television because it was a remarkable hearing uh, where the sort of reality distortion field of the Trump defense in this case, you know, kind of came crashing uh, again on the shoals of this hard-nosed judge who just wasn't taking any nonsense. I mean, she just she just and she made a number of statements that would have been beneficial for for the public at large to watch her say uh, for example that mr. Trump is going to be treated with no more or no less deference than any other criminal defendant that he like any other busy prominent criminal defendant he's going to have to adjust his schedule whatever it is running for president or running a large corporation to the the necessities of the criminal trial and she's in charge of that there's also some really interesting uh, I just want to read this one thing from the special counsel, Molly Gaston, the the attorney, just a really interesting kind of appeal to how important it is to get this case to trial. She said that the defendant is accused of historic crimes. This is Molly Gaston from the special counsel's office. And there's an incredibly strong public interest in a jury's prompt consideration of those claims in open court. And Judge Tanya Chutkin agreed. She said that the right to a speedy trial wasn't just the defendant's right, it was the public's right. The hypocrisy of America has always been great. Oh yes, we're sorry for what happened. It's horrible, it's terrible. Every now and again, we have episodes of reckoning, but more likely we have the Governor Ron DeSantis's of the world who want to whitewash history. Ron DeSantis isn't the first person. Right after the Civil War, when Lincoln was dead and Johnson was in office and the South was supposed to pay, all of them got pardons. And they were pardoned not for the sin of slavery, 
They were pardoned for taking action against the Union. And all of the great enslavers were forgiven without reckoning with their great sin. So the best route to reconstructing America for those white folk was to erase memory of racial fracture and history. And unfortunately, that has continued to this day. We've denied the systemic basis of inequality. The banks are still messed up when it comes to uh, giving black people loans. The housing crisis underscores the degree to which there is still rampant segregation there. When we look at education, the two-tiered, three-tiered system that assigns people relatively inferior statuses. So when you look across the board, African-American people to continue to struggle as a result of systemic inequities that are deeply entrenched in American political life. And we seem to be seeing a backlash, especially against things that you just said. People sure. being able to say it was systemic or the systemic racism. A uh, backlash that comes a few years after the Black Lives Matter marches. Why are we going through this backlash and is it something that is like a pendulum, it'll swing back? It will. It takes a lot of hope to believe that because the fracas is so bitter the contestation of those who are the merchants of amnesia is so powerful. As the late, great Gore Vidal said, we live in the United States of amnesia. And uh, that's where we are. We're citizens of the kingdom of amnesia. I'm trying to get us to become citizens, and as you uh, are so brilliantly, trying to get us to become citizens of the kingdom of memory. Um, I think Barbara Streisand supplies the theme song to the amnesiac. What's too painful to remember, we simply choose to forget. And so we're forgetting it. Uh, this is why a, a governor in Florida wants to ban books, books about that history that would tell the truth about how America got where it is. And especially, he said, the problem is linking the past to the present. Oh, you can talk about slavery as a skill set developer for black people, but you can't talk about the fact that it had an impact upon contemporary social struggle. So this is a predictable response, but the great prophetic mystic Howard Thurman said, never reduce your dreams to your present event. He said, you're gonna either be a prisoner of an event or you're gonna be a prisoner of hope. He said, I choose to be a prisoner of hope and I echo the great Howard Thurman. Michael Eric Dyson, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. People have demanded civility. That right there is as mm -hmm. decent and civil as they come. He is staying the course when it comes to bipartisanship and civility. Do you think Americans are noticing? Absolutely. The president speaks with a level of compassion and humility there that Republicans could never fathom or even convey, right? Like, and let's be real. They don't like the idea that this is something that they're going to have to respond to for a second time this summer when it comes to Mitch McConnell, especially when they're trying to go day after day to punch at Biden about AIDS, right? Like this is not something that they want to talk about. But the way that the president is responding to this is that normalcy, is that compassion, is that humanity that people did support in 2020. I Civility and decency are long part of Joe Biden's brand. They have been his whole career. How long, Tim, do you think he can maintain and stay on that high road if he's facing Donald Trump in the election? <laughs> I, he did it in 2020. He's continued to stay on it. I'm just, I'm happy we brought this up because it is just such a contrast. And I don't feel like he gets enough credit for, for it. And I, it's frustrating to me, particularly among, you know, the remaining 
Republicans who, who who try to you know act like they are you know uh, defending of norms and and want civility and want a return to all that the kinds of camp, the kinds of senators that are supporting Tim Scott etc in the presidential race uh, they never give him credit for this and and you know it would be really easy to take a cheap shot at Mitch McConnell today he didn't do that uh, I think a lot of pundits across all. Uh, you know, partisan lines did not think that Joe Biden would be able to achieve the bipartisan achievements that he that he did at the beginning of his administration. A lot of people thought that was a pipe dream or it was naive to think that he could work with Republicans, um, given how radicalized the party had been under Trump. And, and he, so he did that. So I don't see why he wouldn't be able to keep this up. And, and by the way, even with someone he's running against, Ron DeSantis right now in Florida, uh, you know, they are working together on this hurricane response, and, and there hasn't been name calling. There hasn't been threats. He's been saying, oh, you got to be nicer to me if you want to get your money. And, and I just, that is. But then finally, truth comes out. And, and once again, if we were in a Trump or a Bush or anybody else, this would be front place. Remember all the Trump books that all proved to be false and they all had little. Net noids about how horrible Trump was and blah, 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 blah. And then we find out that they're written by shitheads and never even were in the White House. And yeah, media went crazy. Well, a new one just came out and we're finding out that he's just like we said he is. He's like a fucking toddler. Thank you. The Biden administration is dealing with potential fallout from an explosive new book about the president. He's also dealing with age and health concerns, not only about himself, but about two longtime political colleagues. White House correspondent Peter Ducey is live on the North Lawn with the latest. Good evening, Peter. Brett, President Biden says he doesn't think it's unusual that Mitch McConnell froze at the microphone because he says that is a normal part of the recovery after a severe concussion. And the president adds he has no concerns about McConnell's ability to do his job. He was his old self on the telephone. Is President Biden his old self? Franklin Foer, author of a new book, The Last Politician, interviewed more than 300 people in Biden world and learned that, quote, in private, he would occasionally admit that he felt tired. I think I would be ignoring reality if I did not see, as I think most people do, some impairment. President Biden is a famous ad-libber, including in a famous Warsaw speech shortly after Ukraine was invaded by Putin's Russia. For God's sake, this man cannot remain in power. Two days later, he told Fox, reports that he misspoke multiple times that trip were all wrong. And it sounded like you were calling for regime change in Russia, and we know... None of the three occurred. None of the three occurred? None of the three. This book contradicts the president's claim, quote, he knew that he had erred, but then resented his aides for creating the impression that they had cleaned up his mess. Rather than owning his failure, he fumed to his friends about how he was treated like a toddler. Was John Kennedy ever babied like that? Ah, that's just fucking hate! And stupidity. He's so decent. And yeah, I finally pulled the sweater off. That was a sweet gift from the wife because I'm cold all the time now. Um, they said it's part of it. Regulating temperature and majority of the people are freezing. 
Um, but mine is also I last I lost a person. And then if you go back, if you heard the podcast, go back into 2020 and watch vid on Rumble, and I weighed 330 pounds. So the weight loss definitely has changed my body temp. But she got me that snowflake sweater because everything I own is too big. Um, she bought me some jeans, got me some size 36 30s, and they fall off me. So I'm probably going to have to start buying 34s, which I don't remember ever wearing 34s. In high school, I was 36s. Um, but I just lost too much weight. The media um, is such a fervor because it's, you know, we got to save democracy. It's the cabal. Kia Hyundai helped enable a crime wave. They should pay for it. Jay Caruso. Another example of absurdity. Kia Hyundai cars are easier to steal than others, so it's their fault. This is akin to blaming homeowners getting burglarized and not having guard dogs or sophisticated alarm systems. Of course, it's their fault. They also went after DeSantis. Outraged many black voters or leaders. He's racist! I'm not even going to read it. So many fucking quotes in here. They're just stupid. It's all stupid. So I haven't played Tucker for forever. I don't know if this is worth it. Tucker makes stunning predictions about how they're going to try to get Trump again because they're going to. So let's listen to Tuck. What do you think the future holds? Is it? I don't know. I mean, are they going to let Trump be president? No, of course. I mean, look, if, you know, they protested him. They called him names. He won anyway. They impeached him twice on ridiculous pretenses. They fabricated a lot about what happened on January 6th in order to impeach him again. It didn't work. He came back. Then they indicted him. It didn't work. He became more popular. Then they indicted him three more times. And every single time his popularity rose. So if you begin with criticism, then you go to protest, then you go to impeachment, now you go to indictment, and none of them work. What's next? I mean, let, you know, graph it out, man. We're speeding toward assassination, obviously, and no one will say that, but I don't, I don't know how you can't reach that conclusion. It started with protests against you, massive protests, right. organized protests by the left, and then it moved to impeachment twice, right. and now indictment. I mean, the next stage is is violence. Is, are you worried that they're going to try and kill you? Why wouldn't they try and kill you, honestly? Uh, they're savage animals. They are people that are sick, really sick. You have great people in the Democrat Party. You have great people that are Democrats. Most yeah. of the people in our country are fantastic, and I'm representing everybody. I'm not just Republicans or conservatives. Right. I represent everybody. I'm the president of everybody. But I've seen what they do. I've seen the lengths that they go to. When they make up the Russia, 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 when that's exposed and they go down and Barr should have gone after them and other people should have gone after. And they did very late because the Durham report came out. It was fairly good. It could have been a lot tougher, I guess, but it was fairly good. But it explained how corrupt it was. But these people are sick people. These are people that uh, I think they hate our country. You want to know the truth? They're not going to stop. I mean, there's just no way they're going to stop. They're, they're intent now is to ensure he does not get to run for president. That's 
just what they're going to do. They're not going to stop changing that as it worked. I mean, let's be honest. It worked last time. They, they got to fucking take them down. They, they worked the books. And if you think, you know, that's a one-off. Here's a Democrat from Mississippi challenges party's primary election results for discovering massive election fraud. We have videotapes of someone going into boxes, bringing in thumb drives, bringing in ballots to be inserted into machines. This is where Arizona was. This is what Fulton County was. This was how he got 81 million votes. Media's not covering it, but this isn't an insurrectionist. This isn't a Nazi. He's black. Advisor David Archie revealed his findings from a ballot box review of what he's calling a fraudulent election between him and challenger Tony Smith. 12 News senior political correspondent Richard Lake joins us live from the Hines County Election Commission with uh, with Archie and an update. Uh, what, what did you have to sh- say, Richard? That's right. Well, well, David Archie is not only saying that the August 8th primary election was fraudulent, he's also saying that the review that he requested had some inconsistencies as well. Now, according to Supervisor Archie, when he requested a ballot box review of the election results, the Hines County Democratic Party did not supply him with anything but the paper ballots. According to Archie, no secondary confirmation measures such as a voter signature book, digital images of the ballots, or even the thumb drives in the voting machines that collected those ballots ballots were supplied. Cynthia Johnson Walker says she personally led the ballot review and by only receiving paper ballots, there was no way to confirm that there were any legitimate votes. I have reason to believe that we don't know if you got 1800 voters. We all we know is you got 1800 paper ballots. Had she left me some books and I came back to 1800, had she left me some media sticks and I came back to 1800, had she left me a tally sheet, I came back to 1800, had they left us a receiving and um a receipt in return um, form, we could come back to some serial numbers. Had they filled out the ballot accounting form, I could go back to 1800. I can't go anywhere but count those paper ballots that does not tell us anything. In a statement, the Hines County Democratic Executive Committee Chairperson Jacqueline Amos said, quote, We understand that one candidate who lost, namely David Archie, has decided to challenge the results of the August 8th primary. He has the right to challenge the results and will cooperate however necessary. Now, Supervisor Archie has also called on the resignation of Jacqueline Amos from her position in the party, or he will be filing criminal charges. He also cited uh, an insult-laced text message between Amos and an unnamed person saying that she had plans on doing something to David Archie and results of his election. Much more to come at 5 and 6 o'clock on this issue. For now, it's in Richard Lake reporting live in Jackson for 12 News. Huh. What a dink. Uh, they won't cover it. I mean, but still, it's pretty interesting. WAPO, fact checkers here, guide to some of the stories told by President Biden that cannot be verified or are not plausible. 
Another one said, hmm, if only there's a word which accurately describes a statement that's not plausible. The word you're looking for is lies. So lies. They're lies. What, 10,000 fact checks, and this is what you do, WAPO? But throughout his career, most famous his first presidential campaign 1988 cycle, Biden has a propensity to exaggerate or embellish tales about his life led to doubts about his truthfulness. Meh, let's go to the bottom. They, they list a bunch. But when you get to the bottom, if I can find it. But Biden's paternal grandfather, Joseph Biden, died at John Hopkins. Corner obituary, Biden was born and blah, 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 but did die at St. Mary's early 15s later. They, they, no, it's not lies. That's, that's the cliff note off that fucking shit. NPR moves its goalposts on senility from trashing Trump to defying the Biden's decline. Would we ever in a million years think they would be fair? I mean, I don't think that I show it in that. I don't think I added it, did I? Um, let me go back to where's our Biden intro. I don't think I have the... Uh, no, I just just have that. But remember, just... What the fuck? April? Is it April? I won't play it again. It'd be mean. It, it's elder abuse. You know, he... Fucking fell out of fucking... The Academy... June 1st, sorry, June. We played it. They blamed the sandbag and the Secret Service. Also, now the media is doing the dirty work for the libs. We're going to start the 14th Amendment. This is your Senate of the 14th Amendment, which prohibits people who have engaged in insurrections or rebellions from holding public office. Now those running state elections have to figure out what to do if people bring legal challenges against Trump. Except no one has charged Trump with insurrection. There was no insurrection or rebellion. There was a riot. BLM. They stormed the fucking White House. This one cracks me the fuck up. We're removed, uh, carry the two, 15 years from small donor Obama. Now New York Times say, oh no, because now they, they get all the big donor shit. That's, that's what they get. Philip Bump. He cobbles together interviews, splicing in new arguments after the fact, gets a little traction, and then suddenly ends up in New York Post wildly and dishonestly cherry-picked. And then he deleted it. He has a complete meltdown. Call him up how a comedy seller podcast backfired in one of Biden's media gatekeepers or things go bump in the night. And I... I'm going to play this. This is this is childish shit, but this is why the Washington Post is the Washington Post. Hey, you t- what do you take from the text message to his adult daughter? Uh, hundreds of text messages. I have to give 50% of my income to pop. I have no idea what that means. I don't. I have no idea what that means. Well, it's, 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 I know. It's circumstantial evidence, and you prefer that. No, what, what, what could it I, mean? I have no idea. But doesn't it, I don't know. Well, did, I appreciate has, your has anybody Has anybody asked her? I don't know. I don't know. Don't you think somebody should ask her? Okay. 
Like I, I'm not. I just said I don't know, and I don't know what to make of it. So I have nothing yeah, but, to say you, about it. Yeah, what, but doesn't what do you it, want me to say? Yeah, but you say there's no evidence. No evidence. But then there's a text message where he says, "I give Pop fifty percent of my money." That's that's evidence. Okay. Well, what? Okay. Fine. Fine. So it's evidence. I appreciate you having me on. It doesn't. It, that something like that. Who do you think is being more? I, I listen to that. And I'm saying. Am okay, I? Am I? Okay, what, you, you can free you, to I go. Think, I feel you want me to leave, like just walk out in the middle of this, you because that go. way you can. You, like, can, you can go. Right. Is this a standard? Really? This is the way the Washington Post handles people who disagree yeah, with I, them. Yeah. When I agree to be on for 45 minutes, go, go, and then go. I get on for an hour and 15. Yeah. Go, that after a while go, I go. Go. Thanks go. for having. Me. That sounds about right. That sounds about right. They just don't like having to answer questions because they believe they're smarter than everybody else. They don't need to explain themselves. Which brings us to a um, military corner. Going to start with a story that um, I don't remember. Let me try to get it. There it is. I've never watched the Pacific. I had started watching it and then finished. I like I stopped at number six and I never went through it. And for some reason, I uh, finished Band of Brothers and decided to watch it while my wife was painting. And I got to be quite honest, uh, Basalone and his wife, guy's a Congressional Medal of Honor winner. Then. He decides not to get out and goes to Iwo and is a hero again and dies. I mean, this guy has a CMH. He has Navy Cross. He has ships, roads, you name it. This dude was pure D hero. So it's a longer soundbite. We'll get a break and then uh, we'll go into gold stars. We covered a little bit last time, but I wanted to cover some more because this father's spot on. to be awarded the Medal of Honor. John Bassalone, just an incredible Marine. He's looked at as this heroic person. His life and his exploits had been very well documented for us, and so we could follow them as they actually happened. I go to the movies, and who shows up in the newsreel? You, Mom, Pop. I feel a huge responsibility portraying John Bassalone. I had to connect with who Bassalone was just his his humanity. John Seda gave this performance that was so natural, you think that we just got this guy out of the army and put him in the film. He just exists as John Bassalone. John Bassalone was from New Jersey. He was just your regular Jersey guy. He was from a very solid Italian family. John was just an average American guy trying to get through the Depression, get settled down. John Bazalone had served in the Army for four years prior to Pearl Harbor. He joined the Marines because he wanted to be with the best who was going to be in first. He was stationed in Manila with the Army, and he pulled some pretty wild liberties in Manila that he got the nickname Manila John Bazalone. 
He was a guy that knew how to have a fun time, knew how to party. Take your time. Closer. Closer. But when it was time to get it done, he got it done. John Bazelon was a machine gun section leader. Now, this is a job that in that era was basically like being a very skilled foreman of a very technical trade. We were under his instructions as tutelage as young Marines learning how to maneuver, fire, and maintain a, a 30 caliber machine gun. Tatum Evanson, set it up. Two short bursts, three to five rounds. Fire! Good. It was fantastic what he knew about the machine gun. He had a great gift and was going to try to use that gift to help win the war. He carried the aura of being the first enlisted Marine to receive the Medal of Honor. He was awarded that decoration at the epic Battle of Guadalcanal. We had uh, a tough time in Guadalcanal. The Marines were isolated there, and they were there a long, miserable time. In October, we were pretty well pinned down. I got the whole fucking Jap army headed your way. Over. Coming right at us. When the Japanese hit us on this particular night, October 24, 25, they hit right in the A Company. To think that these men stood their ground against thousands. It was constant fighting. I saw John twice that night. I kept getting word of John was doing some miraculous things up on his end, fixing machine guns in pitch black dark and him doing it by his fingers. You're up! It was just an incredible bloody battle. They were just undermanned, undersupplied. John piled them up around his gun pretty heavy. You learn how heroic these men really were. I'm putting you in for a medal, John. I was acting first sergeant at the time and wrote up the citation. He was sought in awe that he got the Medal of Honor. This is the highest honor that our country can award a serviceman. John Bassalone was taken out of combat to receive the Congressional Medal of Honor, and then he was rotated into the service of selling war bonds, encouraging and supporting the morale of the nation, and something he, he didn't cotton to. He was told, you got to go do this. You got to go get us some money. Selling U.S. war bonds is just as important as what you did on Guadalcanal. Now pack your sea bag, you're going home. They took him to his hometown of Raritan, New Jersey, and 50,000 people turned out for his parade. John was a pretty famous individual. He traveled with movie stars. Big star, Miss Grace! How's that, fellas? Look beautiful, Virginia! When we say back the attack, Every chance you get. He wasn't about the fame and about the limelight. You'd have never known from his lips that he had a Medal of Honor. He hanging around his neck when they had a parade, and that was it. He didn't really like making speeches. That they really appreciate backing the attack and buying these war bonds. He was a Marine. He wasn't a salesman. All I do is dress up and say what they tell me. He never looked at himself as above his men. And, uh, so much so that he demanded to go back. The Commandant got him transferred and sent him to Camp Pendleton. We were really 
close buddies. Almost every weekend, we'd catch the train and go to L.A. He didn't have any trouble finding dates or anything. Lena cured all that. I'm sure he didn't expect to find love during all that. You're the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. When John and Lena meet, John is already the poster boy for the war effort in the Pacific. Lena knows who he is. Everybody knows who he is. Her reaction to him is, just because you're famous doesn't mean I'm going to fall all over myself to get near you. You see these stripes? I'm an NCO just like you. I have work to do. Lena was pretty well under control woman. She kind of was in charge, I think. <laughs> she was in charge among the women Marines in the kitchen, and she was in charge with him. That was part of John's attraction to her. She saw through the surface stuff into who he really was. She felt head over heels in love with, like, the guy, not the star. And I think that he felt that. One day, he called my father and he said, send me $500, I'm gonna get married. <laughs> the wedding was a short wedding. It wasn't a long affair. It was a fun time and it was a great group. It was John's desire to go back and be with the boys. I never dreamed in my wildest dreams that uh, he and I would be reunited on the beach at Iwo Jima. And I was about three quarters way up the hill when I heard him hollering and coming up behind us. Off the beach! He's off the beach! kicking people and cussing them, telling them, get off the beach, get going. let's go! We were right on top of each other. Get the off the beach, you sons of bitches! That island's not very big. He just run all over the place. His directions on the beach was instrumental. Do not leave this position. Come out of hard water. My God. He really was a fighter. No! No! There won't be anybody like him. You know, he, he was really a gung-ho Marine. He came from nothing and to greatness. I think that's what we all honor, the guy that didn't have anything that made it. He just went off and became great, became a world hero. You know, a whole country honored him. Two years has gone by, and where are we? To be frank, we're knee-deep in bullshit is where we are. Everyone who held a key position in the military still has that position or has been promoted. John Kirby still sits on his perch, which apparently faces the opposite direction from where all the action was. Blinken continues to delay key evidence by ignoring delay or delaying subpoenas. Not a single general slapped down their stars, which should have happened two years ago when Biden ignored his reliable intelligence. Not a single person has been held accountable. Our so-called leader can't seem to even utter their names in public, not even once. 
Mr. Biden has run his entire political campaign for 50 years as the family man. Well, I've got news for you, sir. The curtain has been lifting, and that campaign slogan will never work again. We have seen what's going on in your family, and even worse, we've seen how you've been treating us as Gold Star families. And there couldn't be anything more disgusting and cowardly than the way you have treated us. You are a disgrace to this nation. You have no business having ultimate command over our military, and I regret not saying that to your face when I had the opportunity in Dover. I felt it more, like, more important to bite my tongue, but I also had more important things on my mind at that time, like receiving my son's lifeless body stateside. While I stood there on the tarmac, watching you check your watch over and over again, all I wanted to do was shout out, it's too fucking 30, asshole. But out of respect to the other grieving families, I bit my tongue once again. Well, as you could probably tell by now, I'm done biting my tongue. You, sir, stole their lives, their futures, their dreams, and have ripped apart 13 families. You cannot even man up and admit that. You, sir, gave us all the title Gold Star Family. You, sir, discredit honor and integrity. This week marks two years since the deadly attack during the chaotic withdrawal from Afghanistan. And today, Gold Star families who lost loved ones say they are still demanding answers. We get more from Ryan Nobles. Two years ago, Herman and Alicia Lopez lost their son, Hunter. It's uh, something that no one... Uh, things will ever happen to their family. He was one of 13 U.S. service members killed during the ISIS bombing near the Abbey Gate at Kabul's airport in Afghanistan. He planned to join his hometown sheriff's office. He didn't get that chance, and we just would like people to give us the, the truth of what happened and, um, and be honest with us. The Lopez is one of several Gold Star families today demanding accountability. I don't want to hear lies. I don't want to hear excuses. From Joe Biden. Many blaming President Biden. Several presidents preceded Mr. Biden in this 20-year war, but none of them are to be held accountable for the withdrawal. That is he and he alone. The chaotic U.S. withdrawal began as the Taliban quickly took over the country. President Biden has argued leaving Afghanistan was the right choice. I was not going to extend this forever war. And I was not extending a forever exit. Tonight, the Pentagon defending its response. U.S. military commanders on the ground in Afghanistan made, the, made decisions that they could with the information that they had at the time. And tonight, the Joint Chiefs Chair Mark Milley saying that the briefers have given the families, quote, every piece of information that they could. Just an amazing story about him, and amazingly, uh, it, well, it's not amazing. It's totally to be expected. There, there's nothing. Nobody got in trouble. This has just been swept on the carpet. We're going to hand out presidential unit citations. Um, the Afghanistan withdrawal. This, the father sums it up knee-deep in bullshit. Just, it's just a travesty that that's how it went down. And uh, this, of course, went fucking viral, except on the media. It took 
forever for anybody to cover. They finally covered it. That's why I played that one soundbite. Um, this has been handed for many units. Um, I know we got an Arrowhead Expeditionary Medal for my company for Operation Anaconda. Um, right now, it is going to be... Um, Uh, those units include National Guardsmen from Minnesota, Massachusetts, and Washington, as well as active duty units from 82nd Airborne Division and 24th MEF. The article I got from Tactics and Purpose, well, I didn't bookmark it, did I? Let me go back. I think I got it out of order. I did. There. This is what it says. 124,000 people saved. But most of us said, how many were left? We've never talked about that. Of course we don't. Vet Larry Taylor to get a Congressional Medal of Honor from Vietnam, which is pretty fucking amazing. Um course he said like everybody else said I'm just doing my job to some quick hits new army uh, anti-tank weapon uh, release of the soldiers uh, was equipment training on the javelin lightweight command launch unit known as LWCLU it, it's just a lighter version of the JAV pilot program like we reported a couple shows ago for aviation fields same thing for unit for uh, armored units. They're also kicking out a program to try to um, end career field over Manning because there's nobody's getting promoted. I didn't grab this. U.S. service member living in Europe are going to be under a new screening for travel. That's going to suck. And this, of course, Vest Disability claims delayed years because of glitch. What I heard recently talking to a guy in town once they went to the new program that doesn't allow me to talk to my doctor or make appointments or do pretty much fucking anything, it's uh, tits up. Yeah, those guys are fucked. The Mystery Land is an American firm, but they do have ties to China, the one around Travis. U.S. airstrike Somali kills 13 Al-Shabaab fighters, and nobody's reporting it, of course. These heroes died in a Osprey crash in Australia. Uh, Major Lewis, 37, Captain LeBeau, 29, and Corporal Colart, 21, were killed in the crash. What worries me about that is... um, That's going to be the V280. This tilt rotor stuff doesn't have a good good record. Um, not at all. Fentanyl kills a soldier in Navy boot camp, which is fucking horrible, to say the least. Which is going to take us into our woke now. We're going to have a doctor from Louisiana saying he's leaving because of Uh, Kids can't get hormones until they're of age. 
So his life sucks or something. And then an Apple series, I'm playing it. Literally, um, a runner saying it's very dangerous for him to run because he's gay. Because people are running around going, as a running, are you gay? Yes. Whack. Yeah, that's not happening. Whether Joe Biden believes this madness or is simply too weak to resist it, his administration has been completely hijacked by the radical left. The dividing line in America is no longer between right or left. The choice is between normal or crazy. But now Jake and his family are leaving the state after a set of bills passed the legislature this summer that they say make them feel unwelcome. The part that really solidified it for us was when we were watching the Senate Education Committee um, hear the, about the Don't Say Gay bill. HB 466 pro prohibits teacher-led discussions on sexual orientation or gender identity in grades K through 12. To think that if our kids went to public school and they were made fun of because they had two dads, a teacher would not have been able to step in and make a learning experience about different types of families. HB 466 and another bill which sought to require permission from parents for school employees to use certain names or pronouns for students were vetoed by Louisiana's governor in June. And a third bill banning gender-affirming medical care for most minors overcame the governor's veto and is expected to take effect in January. I'm really sad to leave. Um, but I feel like I don't really have a choice. But the way that the political landscape in Louisiana is going, it's pretty clear that these laws are going to pass eventually. Jake's departure doesn't just mean there's one fewer specialist like him here in New Orleans. He says it leaves just two heart transplant cardiologists for kids for the whole state of Louisiana. There is going to be a hole that's left when I leave. How much is that weighing on you? By far the hardest part of this decision was thinking about my patients. The Klein-Mahans are moving to Long Island, New York, where Jake will start a heart transplant program, and the whole family will start a new life. We teach our children about kindness, about celebrating differences, and we hope that they recognize this as us doing something so that they can live in an area where they can be free, they can be kind. I'm a fan. Nay, I am a fanatic. Probably more verging on zealot. About running? Yeah, I, you know, did not see that coming at all, but now that's, that is just who I am, running free out in the world. <laughs> Don't you get tired? That's the best part. <laughs> I'm thinking about launching an outreach program for disadvantaged youth, like a running program, just now. Can't they just run if they want to. You would think that, wouldn't you, right? But the tentacular nature of systemic inequality just... Never mind. Um, that was the passion of the newly converted. Sorry. Um, what about you? Do you have anything that you believe in strongly or feel strongly? I feel strongly that people should not be allowed to own snakes. Wow, okay. <laughs> yeah, asked and answered. What the fuck, Chuck? What the actual fuck? These goddamn 
fucking people. Then we have a Mulvaney sighting. And I was going to separate these because I didn't want to give you guys problems. But I'll just get it over with. You're going to have him talking. And then him and Kathy Gifford and Taylor Lorenz and pretty much everybody bad in the world were at a party. Um... The JPEG, yeah, I forgot to get the picture of the party. Where are we at? Uh, let's put it here. These were all the people hanging out with this motherfucker. And I'm going to zoom it in because uh, Pat from uh, Saturday Night Live was there. Um, let me see if I can zoom this. Shit. We have to save the goddamn image. Hold on a second. Because there's a bunch of losers here. It's really bad. Yeah. Uh, Donnie. Uh, what the fuck's her name? From The View. Rosie O'Donnell. They were in a lady from uh, Grey's Anatomy's there. Just a room full of fucktards. So they crowed about it. I am Eloise. I am six. You know what's crazy? Before I transitioned, I was strictly a bottom. And now, I just keep topping myself. I mean, this look. Come on. Kathy Griffin, Yes. what did we just do? We just had a salon for you. You're the guest of honor. Thank you. What is a salon? A salon is a dinner or lunch event where everybody sits around. No phones allowed. No phones. No um, side conversations. No side conversations. And we go around the table. And, and we had to ask permission to go to the bathroom. I don't care for that typically, but this one time I did let you go. And we had some, I mean, a lot of came up. Rosie O'Donnell was here. Oh. Meredith Lynch. Margaret Cho. Margaret Cho. Sia. Sia Taylor it was. Sia sang. The, Sia did sing. What about that? And um, honestly, one of my favorite days ever. So thank you. I love you. Next, we have a person who believes they're non-binary and somebody didn't. I'm going to play this the whole thing. It's two hours or two minutes and 42 seconds. This is why it's really hard for me to take you people seriously. I really believe you have mental illness because if somebody you look like a woman and they're trying to be polite and they don't know you and they misgender you and this is what you do? I am Eloise. I am six. Honestly, don't know what to do, but like, there was like a really bad experience. Basically, I was just getting a drink at the bar and they called both Azul and I ladies. After they were done making the drink, I went up and I, I was like, some people don't refer to themselves as ladies, but it's okay that you didn't know. And I'm in a gay bar, so it should be safe to banter to around. They got so mad at me, and they took the drink away from my wife and I. He hit the bar, like, because he was like, are you serious? You're doing the same thing to me. How? And then they kicked us out. 
I didn't think that was gonna happen. Like, how am I supposed to feel? This is the first time that I've, like, told somebody I felt brave enough to tell somebody my identity. And I just wanted to let him know, and I told him it's okay that you didn't know. He was still mad at me for being myself and for my wife being themselves. Just her. We were kicked out so fast. And I tried talking to the other person. He came over and was like, what's going on? It was another straight white man. When I told him, he's just not respecting our identity. And I don't understand why. And he was like, you know what? Just leave. And I got kicked out of a bar. Technically supposed to be a queer bar, but it's just gay white men. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. It was supposed to be a positive experience. I felt so embarrassed. gentleman calling you a lady that's not something bad like i'm just sharing that part and i just wanted you to be like okay um, sorry what would you like what would you like to hear and like it's not like we even talk a lot it felt like like a dad like yelling at you oh my god i'm sorry yeah i'm gonna have some water and i'm okay it's just hard one more thing that I wanted to add is that he yelled at my wife and told them that he sees us as ladies and so he will always refer to us as ladies. Bye! And at the end of the day, transphobia within the community is so disgusting. And then we just go to straight absurd because it's Canada and Trudeau's super woke and their vice president, which you're about to hear from, is also a piece of dog shit. Canada issues LGBTQ travel advisory from the United States. Some states have enacted laws and policies that may, may affect 2SL, 2SPIRIT, because of um, tribal Indians up there, LGBTQI plus persons. Check state laws. Somebody said maybe we should liberate Canada. This lady, foreign policy fumble. Chrysia Freeland asked why her government issued a travel advisory from LGBTQ plus Canadians as fails to address the question. This comes shortly after Melanie Joy expressed concern about the rise of far-right authoritarianism. Reality is, it affects kids, not adults. And the reason why... It's because that's a principal who was arrested, arrested, which is not proper, arrested for child porn. And he's a, he was a principal pushing the agenda. Why has your government issued uh, the travel advisory for LGBTQ plus uh, people to the United States? And was this something you discussed with President Biden or your government discussed with President Biden first? Um, so, you know, as uh, someone who has had um, the real privilege of serving as Canada's foreign minister, um, I know that our travel advisories are done very professionally. Um, we have professional professionals in the government whose job is to look carefully around the world 
and to monitor whether there are particular dangers to particular groups of Canadians. That's their job, and it's the right thing to do. When it comes to the United States specifically, I have personal experience um, of dealing with a diversity of U.S. administrations and of dealing with American leaders at all levels of government, in all branches of government, and with Americans from who represent diverse groups across the country, whether it is business or labor or civic organizations. And that's because our government understands, as every Canadian government needs to understand, that one of the principal responsibilities of the federal government is to understand how to work with our U.S. neighbor. I think our government has shown that that's a priority for us and that we work hard at it and that we're able to manage that relationship regardless of the choices that the people of the United States make. Even as we work hard to even as we work hard on that government-to-government -government relationship, every Canadian government, very much including our government, needs to put at the center of everything we do the interests and the safety of every single Canadian and of every single group of Canadians. That's what we're doing now. That's what we're always doing. Man, these fucking people. Jiminy crickets. This is once again, South, School, South Dakota schools invite students to change their name or gender and instruct kids that they can hide it from their parents. South Dakota schools allow children to identify as trans or non-binary school and actually help them keep it a secret from their parents. All written down, all found. South Dakota. A doll. Yes. Friendly reminder that the LOL girl dolls that you give your young daughters have dicks. This is what it looks like on the front. I guess I should have done both sides. That's just shocked me, to be quite honest. That's what it looks like. I've seen them in the stores. I didn't know that. 2021, Department of State awarded $36,000 to Solaska Politica Chevenya Mangala for training to enable LGBTQI plus individuals access to law and justice. In 2023, Department of State awarded $49,950 to seat luchas to provide psychological guidance and emotional supports to youth LGBTQ. They're always tossing money everywhere for abortion and LGBTQ. Kit Carson monument that most people don't even know about. Vandalized. PBS pissed off because ESG investing and people finally found out about it and now it's hurting them and they're not really talking about it as much because just like HRC, ESG and all this crap is bullshit that they're using to curb stomp companies to be woke. And our final soundbite of the day, CBS. Bashing sounds of freedom, fixating on QAnon because it was successful. I mean, a goddamn movie 
about girls being kidnapped and put in the sex trade. But because they want to protect Biden and its religious company, of course. In the works for years, Sound of Freedom has become a lightning rod for controversy and conspiracy theories. The movie is embraced by supporters of the fringe conspiracy theory QAnon. They falsely believe in the existence of widespread human trafficking rings run by Hollywood and so-called liberal political elites. The film's star, Jim Caviezel, has shared support for some QAnon beliefs, but no Q-related conspiracy theories are included in this movie. We're joined now by the director and co-writer of Sound of Freedom, Alejandro Mataverde. Good morning to you. Morning. Thank you for being with us. Nice. First of all, talk about, you know, this, this movie didn't just come about. You've been trying to make it for years. When did you start making it? And, and how do you feel now that it's at the center of so much controversy? The pure motive of making this movie was to create a social dialogue mm -hmm. about this taboo, about this topic about child trafficking yeah. but it is now at the center of controversy it is it is and uh, i just came back from around the world london and all latin america and it's just very interesting how you know the u.s is the megaphone because I thought when I was going to go over there, because these conspiracy theories do not exist over there. I know, but, but, how are you deal how are you, but how are you dealing with this, Alejandro? Because the movie has made so much money in part because it's fueled by many people who believe the QAnon mm -hmm. theories. Mm -hmm. uh, Jim, the, the main star of the movie, also has been talking about this. How are you, are you trying to distance yourself from that? Are you asking people, look, stay focused on what this movie is about? How are you handling yeah. this? Because it's a very serious yeah. and complicated thing. The motive was so pure. It was just to light, to shine a light on this darkness that in the beginning I was heartbroken. Yeah. And my instinct was just to distance myself, just uh -huh. purely for protection. You know, I was like, I knew the politics in some way, in so many ways divide. This is not an issue that belongs to liberals, it's not an issue that belongs to conservatives. It is a fundamental human right issue. Yeah. So the minute I start seeing these labels, it really broke my heart because yeah. it completely took a detour from the core. So in the beginning, yes, I was heartbroken until the people that work on the film, my co-writer, my cinematographer, you know, all the artists that we worked on the film said, hey, you need to go and speak and share the core vision of why we did this. After after the film has been released and has found success, along with uh, some of the conspiracy theories that have floated around and the controversies, do you still believe that Jim Caviezel was the right man for the role? Absolutely, and let me tell you why. You know, he's very good at he's it. Pro, you know, he's one of the things that, that that I feel there was a misconception in there. You know, as so a writer director, it's almost like a company. You hire people. Yeah. So, Jim Caviezel, you know. I hired him to play on this film. And I did, you know, was looking at other actors first, mm -hmm. just purely because I was looking for somebody that looked like Tim Ballard. Jim Caviezel yeah. has yeah. black hair. Yeah, yeah. Listen, listen a minute, yeah. Alejandro, yeah. yeah, for the so point I made. So eventually, you know, uh, after a couple of, you know, Hollywood, a couple of rejections, you know, Tim Ballard said, you have never asked me who I want me to, to yeah. play me. And I said, well, who do you want to play you? And he said, Jim Caviezel. Mm. Ah, and so I so wanted so to know why. So I said, why? And he said, because he's a man of faith, yeah. uh, Tim Ballard. He says, one of the hardest part of my job is to transcribe all the sexual abuse materials. When we caught a pedophile, we caught him with thousands of hours of 
child pornography. Yeah. And what he has to do is to transcribe it to, you know, to take it to court, and he takes his fate in order to continue on. So I met with Jim Caviezel, yeah. and the interesting part is when I met him. And that wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Share this with your family and friends. Send them to SoundCloud, Flyover Politic with a K. Rumble, 482-467. Send me an email at foppodcast at gmail.com. Next podcast shall be uh, Tuesday's Doctor, Wednesday's Doctor, Thursday the 7th. I got a smoking cessation on the 6th. I already started. (laughs) This is going to be fun, but I want to quit dipping. And the 5th, I got crack clinic. So let's go with the 7th, Thursday, 7, September, year of our Lord, 2023. Until then, disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah yeahs. Thanks for listening, and I look forward to talking to you next time. Every death is a tragedy, y'all. It's seven lives.